Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show podcast. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for uh, checking in with us today. We've got another great show we're going to talk about today, or another great topic, I guess we're going to talk about today. Every Weekend Warrior that I know, including myself and Tony, (laughs) we have a lot of tools. Would you say, Tony, combined, we have a lot of tools? Oh, combined, yes, we have a lot of tools. The (laughs) amount of tools that I have compared to the amount of tools that Corey has, uh, there's a big disparity there. But um, I do have a lot of tools compared to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I mean, your tool collection has been growing significantly over the past few years. Yeah. When I decided that I was going to stick with one particular brand of power tool, and of course, that is Makita. Oh, you went that route. Yeah. When I started that and I decided that this was the platform that I was going to use for my power tools, there was nothing keeping me from buying every tool that I felt like would be something that I would use. And a lot of times, you know, I come working through a project and I reach a point where there's a tool that would make this project easier, but I don't own it. And then the decision is made. Do I borrow it? Do I rent it? Or do I buy it? And that decision becomes a lot easier when you can get the tool that you want on the platform that you're already working with. Right. You know, that is probably the best part about the Makita platform. I mean, in my opinion, is that all of their tools use the same battery. Yeah. You get the one battery or you get 10 batteries. They all work the same on all of your tools, even their yard tools. You have lawnmowers now that use the same battery. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Chainsaws, weed eaters, tree trimmers, all of that um, running on the same battery platform, which is awesome because you don't have to buy a charger and a battery every time you buy a tool. Makita was smart enough to market their tools tool only. So you can buy a kit with a tool and a battery and a charger, or you can buy a tool only and use it with the batteries and chargers that you already own, which makes expanding your tools um, a lot less expensive. Do you have to be a tool to buy a tool only? Oh, no. You will buy a tool only and become a tool. (laughs) But you you got that covered, bro. Yeah, you don't have to actually already be a tool. Uh, anyway, so I think what we're going to talk about today is kind of a list of essential tools that every weekend warrior should either have or consider having. And if you don't have them, we're going to talk about some of the differences. You know, when you dig down into a saw, for instance, if you just say a saw, there are so <laughs> many different types. So we're going to talk about that, the little differences between some of those things. But number one, Tony, what is probably the biggest thing. Maybe not necessarily a tool. What's the biggest thing a weekend warrior should probably have in their garage or workshop? Well, I can tell you that I know for you and me specifically, because we went through this when we um, started to build the weekend warriors workshop, which is where we shoot all of our videos for our YouTube channel. Right. Um, When we got the, the workshop, after we put cabinets on the wall to hold all of our stuff. Storage. Yep, yeah, storage, yeah. which was very important. That was number one for us. Um, immediately after that, we wanted to build something. We had our storage, and and um, we actually 
kind of came into the thing with some tools already. Uh, but our very first build required a place to build it. And unless you want to build things on the floor, or repair things on the floor, you need a workbench. So a workbench, I feel like was, and I know for a fact, was our number one video after having built the workshop. That's the right. first thing we did was we built uh, a workbench. Yeah, and one of our favorite videos that we ever did was for a mobile collapsible workbench. That's right. Uh, if you have a garage or if you've got a full on shop, some people just don't have the room to keep an entirely huge workbench to, you know, leaned up against a wall or whatever. So we invented or designed this mobile collapsible one that uses sawhorses. I'm sure it's not, you know, we're not the first one in the world to build one, of course. No, but we but, certainly did use the heck out of it, didn't we? Oh, yeah. We built it and we needed it sturdy. So we built that thing really solid and collapsible. So you could take it down, stash it behind, you know, whatever back in the corner and then pop it up when you need it. Yeah. When we were shooting videos prior to being in the workshop, we used that every time, no matter where we were at on location or in the garage or wherever we were working, we 100%. had that workbench was the first thing, set it up and get ready to shoot some video. Yeah. I would say too, uh, if you're going to build a workbench, make sure it's sturdy. You want a nice flat top. You want it sturdy. You want to be able to work on things and not worry about it collapsing under you or falling or tipping over. Another nice thing to have on your workbench is a bench vise. Oh, yeah. No you know, question. Help you hold stuff down or help that hold piece of wood or hold a piece of steel or whatever in your vise. Interestingly enough, one of the tools that you didn't have on your workbench at home for a long time was a vise. Yeah. I remember um, we were clamping things using clamps to clamp the project to the table because we didn't have a vice. But you have now you got two. Right. Or you, maybe three. <laughs> you, you hooked me up with a nice vice. I was very happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. A vice is, uh, a vice is an essential tool. No question. Absolutely. Uh, number one, uh, probably number two on the list for me would be safety equipment. Whether it's safety goggles, earplugs or a dust mask, if you're working in a small space like I do in my garage or in our Weekend Warrior workshop uh, where we record our videos, the dust, sawdust, absolutely kills me, kills my lungs when I'm breathing it in. I'm hacking up dust for days. And even to go a step further than that, not necessarily just a dust mask, because of course they make them pretty simple, a respirator. Even better. Yeah, that's actually what we use. A filtered, you and I both. A filtered mask. Yeah, we wear a filtered dust mask to for dust or even spray painting or polyurethane, you know, keeping that chemical out of your lungs. But along with that might be some sort of dust collection system. Oh, yeah. We're going to build one for our workshop. I have one in my garage. I absolutely love it. It's very simple, but it draws air through basically simple air filters, and you can swap them out, take them out, throw them away, replace them. And it cleans the, the dust out of the air a lot quicker. Yeah. It's interesting. This, this concept with the, with the dust particle remover item, right? You think to yourself, if you, if your filtration system is hanging from the ceiling or is up high, right? It's not getting all of that sawdust that you're creating. And there's still sawdust all over the table and sawdust on the ground. Well, you're not breathing in the sawdust. The sawdust that's heavy enough to sit on the table or on the ground is not the particles you're fighting. The particles you're fighting are in the air that you're breathing. 
And that's what you have to get out. Right. So the filtration system, wherever it is in the enclosed room that you're working in, if it's moving the air, changing the air, filtering the air, it's doing what you need it to do. It's getting those particulates out of the air so that you're not breathing them into your lungs. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, it's easy to think about your eyes, right? You're you're looking at something, sawdust, whatever pieces of whatever are flying towards your face. And it's easy to go, oh, I need to put on my safety goggles. But when you're sanding away on a piece of wood and you're going at it for a while, next thing you know, you don't really realize until you turn it off maybe that the whole room is filled with sawdust. And then you blow your nose after you've been doing that for a half an hour or an hour and it's black. It's wood pulp. Yeah, it's wood. It's, <laughs> it's like wood glue. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I'll tell you, that's a very important aspect is dust collect. Think about that. You know, and a lot of people just work outside, which is possible. You can do that. You work outside. Uh, make sure you bring a shop vac or something too to collect as much dust as possible. That's another option. Yeah, there, there's ways also to filter the air in the room without going out and buying a, a very big, expensive dust collection system, which is one way to go. They do sell those, of course. Oh, 100%. But um, what you utilize in your garage is uh, very effective. And it, it's been simply put together with a plywood box mm -hmm. that has um, uh, that has a place to slide in and out easily, filters on both sides. And in the middle, you have a fan, really. Yeah, it's, a, it's like actually a, an old furnace. Like a blower, yeah, right? It's, yeah, it's like an air mover fan out of an old furnace that's all it is and yeah, it's, it's not mounted in there with a switch not expensive to buy uh -uh. a little bit of electrical work a little bit of uh, craftsmanship and you've put together a a filter that will filter your air and then and then the responsibility falls to you of course to change the filter correct if you don't change the filter then it's not doing what it's supposed to do yeah, but it's you know you see it well. I, ha I have mine up high and i can see it when it's getting really full and swap it out, bam, you're yeah. good to go again. Yeah. I will say on a budget, and I did this, you remember the fires we had a few years ago? Oh, yeah. Of course you remember. In my house, you know, that you weren't, they were saying stay indoors, but the air quality inside the house wasn't necessarily fantastic. Right. So I went and bought a box fan, and I had, because, you, you know, we went to the store, we were looking for air purifiers. Right. Gone. Yeah, I bought yeah, one you, yeah, you during that same time. Yeah, you couldn't find them. If you got one, you were lucky. So I bought a box fan, and then I went to the furnace filter aisle, and I bought a really high-quality furnace filter, well, like one of those three-inch deep sure. cartridge type. Yeah. And it fit the box fan just perfectly, and then I duct-taped all the way around the edges of it. And I ran that thing 24-7. And when I threw it away after that week of fires that we had, it was dark, oh, yeah. dark gray. <clears throat> so, I mean, that worked pretty well in a uh, in a pinch. Sure, yeah. And not terribly expensive. Yeah, totally. Uh, okay, what other things, Tony? What's next on the list? Uh, the next thing on the list here, of course, is a level. A level is uh, essential to building a project that is going to have uh, right angles and stand pleasing to the eye and be aesthetic and not lean one way or the other or right. fall forward or backwards. Yeah, you're hanging a door, you need a level. You can build something without a level, but it will be obvious that you built it without a level 
Um, oftentimes. Right. The word that I would use would be wonky. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a level will definitely help you make sure that your project turns out as good as it can. Yep. You can certainly cobble things together without using a level, but um, it just won't have the the finesse or, you know, professional edge to it that it would have if you use a level. One thing I was going to say when I was learning different projects. I would hang out with guys. I would, I had friends who were contractors and I, they would come over and I'd learn a lot from them. And I'll never forget the day that I had a contractor buddy of mine come over. He was a fence builder and he said, I'll help you build your fence. So we were putting in posts in the ground and I was grabbing my level and I was using my level to level the post on, on two sides, yeah, level, yeah. two yeah. sides, using a stake and then hold mm-hmm. it in place while mm-hmm. we were pouring the concrete. And he told me I was an idiot because I was saying that I was leveling the post. Oh, right. Sure, sure. He's like, no, no, no. (laughs) You're plumbing the post. Yeah. Vertical, when you're using a level in its vertical position, you're you're making sure it's plumb. Right. Level is when it's horizontal. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I didn't know that. You know, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But uh, from that, that point forward, I started calling things plumb. So when you're, you know, putting a wall up, you want to make sure it's plumb. You're putting a door, inst- installing a door. You want to make sure it's plumb and level. So anyway, one of those interesting little things. There are tons of different types of levels too. Yeah. If I'm thinking about you using a level, a two, three, or four foot level to plumb a post for a fence you're building, I, my immediate thought is, you know, they make a post level, right. which is a sort of right angle thing that has vials um, on both sides and you, it's got a little rubber band on it. Those are nifty. Yeah. You just rubber band that thing to your post and you don't ever have, you don't have to hold it. It reads two sides at the same time. Very easy to plumb a post that That's way. That's a cool tool. And they're not also not expensive. No. Uh, another level we used in that application was a line level. We strung a string or a string level. You could call it. We strung a string from our first post on one side of the yard, all the way to the other side of the yard and put what's called a string level. you do a string and then it hooks on there and it hangs. And that way, you know, if your line going all the way across the yard is level. Yep. Absolutely. And then you set all your posts to that. It was perfect. Yeah. That also, I mean, I know I'm going to keep saying this. I'm going to try not to keep saying it. Very inexpensive, a very inexpensive and easy way to make oh, yeah, sure that like all your, buck. that all your posts are, um, are standing up at the same height and that you're, rails that you're putting on your on your fence are level all the way across and also too you know we mentioned hanging a door and you want to make sure your door is plumb you have to use a longer level if you use a six inch level a torpedo level torpedo level to install a door you're asking for trouble we actually learned this because we had a guy from thermatru who's even an expert door installer come to our studio and he showed us how to hang a door in the studio. And he actually said, the reason is if you have a six inch level and you put it in there and you put that bubble between the lines and you think it's level, go ahead and tack it in place and then grab a five foot or a six foot level and put it on there. And you could potentially be at the top of the door, a quarter of an inch out of plumb. Yeah. And in a door, a quarter of an of an inch is huge. Yeah, I'll tell you another really good use of a longer level, six or eight foot level, is if you're doing anything around landscaping. If you're building a retaining wall, or if you're building uh, planter beds or um, 
planter areas and you want them to be level, you know, a six inch level or a two foot level is not going to tell you the story on a 10 or 20 foot run. Right. You need something much longer to get it to be accurate. That's why when you go out into a job site and you see contractors and builders framing houses, they use plate levels. They're, they have levels that go out to 12 feet yeah. that extend. Because mm-hmm. you can't just throw a little two-foot level on your wall and say, yep, it's plumb. Yep. Because by the time you get to the roof, that sucker's going to be crooked. Telescoping levels are not inexpensive. <laughs> no. It's probably uh, not, not a nece- necessarily a weekend warrior type tool. Probably not an essential tool for a weekend warrior, but definitely um, definitely tells the story. Well, at least yeah. now you know what it is. Yep, Absolutely. All right, next one on the list for us is a set of pliers, a pair. I mean, there are so many different types of pliers, too. But I feel like pliers should be in every Weekend Warriors work, you know, toolbox, tool bag, whatever you got. Yeah, you're right. Pliers, from the simplest pair of pliers to a set of plumbers pliers or to side cutters. Channel locks. Channel lock is a brand that makes... um. All of the different types of of plier type items, whether it's cutting or crimping or whatever it is, you know, end nippers, all of the things. Needle nose. Needle nose pliers. <laughs> yeah, all of those. Um, a lot of those are, are essential tools. A set is the best way to go. Oh, yeah. Go to the store, buy yourself every plier known to man and just put them in your toolbox. What you'll, about locking, locking pliers? Do you have a pair of... Uh, vice grips? Oh, vice grips? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would say that vice grips are an excellent tool to add to your tool collection. Yeah, vice grip also is a brand name, uh, but it is a locking set of pliers. And so you set it to a certain um, bite and then you squeeze that down and it locks and it has a little trigger that releases it right. when you're done but uh there's a little thumb screw on the back side yeah. you'd adjust vice grips good is a good way to go a great uh a great tool to have if you need to hold on to something and then and you need to let go not let it slip you need a third hand third. while you're using two hands to work on the project and the and the pliers are doing their deal the whole time banana hands bananas uh another one would be a wrench set specifically like an adjustable wrench set okay you know obviously tools in general but an adjustable wrench like a crescent wrench is another brand crescent is uh one of those brands that's been around for eons mm-hmm. but they make them you get a little thumb turn that you adjust the the width of the jaws jaws itself and you can grab in any any size bolt that you want really yeah some of these tools some of these tools are um, redundant, a little redundant. If you have a full set of box end wrenches, then your wrench needs are probably covered. A full set would be would have metric and SAE, and then that would probably cover the sizes of all nuts. But invariably, you find yourself reaching for the adjustable wrench in order to fit some weird thing, like um, like a nut that has been ground down or a nut that has been rounded off. Um, sometimes it, the sometimes the best tool to use is an adjustable wrench. Yeah, I'll usually go for the adjustable wrench if it's something that is not incredibly tight. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. If you've got a, a nut on something 
and you just you don't know what the size is off the top of your head, and you don't want to go bring three or four or five different wrenches, <laughs> which is what you have to do. Yeah, if you don't know. Yeah, yeah, if you don't know, then you kind of you know your... really good mechanics. Let's say they look at something and they'll go, "Oh, that's a thirteen millimeter." Yeah. Well, how would I know that? You sure. know what I mean? I'm a weekend warrior. Yeah. So I'm gonna go grab my adjustable wrench. You know, if I'm if I'm tightening the nut on my battery terminals, I'm just gonna grab my adjustable wrench. Honestly. Yeah. But the thing about adjustable wrenches is you don't want to have to you don't want to use that tool if it's something that you need to get very very tight, or if something is very very tight that you need to loosen, because an adjustable wrench isn't as accurate and you can round off right the nut or the bolt and make things worse. Right. You. I mean, you have to get it. Uh, you have to get it really cranked down as much as you can, and you can't. Uh, you know, it doesn't allow you to get it really good and tight like. Like something that was intended to fit there. Guten tight. Guten tight. Yeah, definitely. So anyway, that's my two cents there. So you mentioned SAE. Do you know what that means, Tony? I do. I I know that it is a. I know that it is an it is a an American version of sizing. I guess would be the way that I would describe it. Metric. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it actually stands for Society of Automotive Engineers. Which okay. Is, which is odd, right? Actually. Uh, we should research that a little bit and, and talk about the differences between metric and SAE. I know that SAE is a size um, platform that's used in the U.S. a lot, and metric is a size platform that's used overseas a lot. Sure. We find, generally speaking. Yeah. Im- oh, but, of course, Imperial. we buy stuff from overseas, so <laughs> we have both here all the time. Well, you see it in the automotive industry a lot is they'll use both. My dad used to say, it's an American car. <laughs> well leave the metric wrenches over there yeah, i'll tell you what american cars use mostly metric now <laughs> do they <laughs> oh yeah that's interesting it's all in it depends on where it's made and what it does it's yeah. kind of weird uh anyway uh next on the list would be a utility knife a utility knife for me is always around i've probably got 10 of them to be honest with you and to go along with my utility knife i have a pack of fresh blades yeah that's in paramount for sure i always have a pack, you know, like you buy those hundred packs. Those are amazing. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Just go out and buy one, put it on your wall. They hang and then you can just grab a new one every time. That thing gets dull. If you can keep track of where you put that pack of a hundred blades, you'll use it for years. Oh yeah, totally. Years. And the thing about using a utility knife is you always want to make sure you have a sharp blade. Right. Because a dull blade is dangerous because mm-hmm. you're going to put extra effort into cutting something. And next thing you know, you're going to slice through it wrongly and then cut your cut something. I did that when I was a kid. I learned the really hard way. I almost cut my thumb off, as a matter of fact. Yikes. I was using an old utility knife. So anyway, I have a pack of fresh blades. And what I really, really love is having one of those utility blades that collapses. You know what I mean? Like a... It opens like, like a, a knife. Like a pocket knife. Yeah. yeah, like a pocket knife. Yep. And you replace the blade on those. I've mm-hmm. got a, I've got several of those that I love. Yeah, let's let's be clear here. Using a utility knife that's sharp is not less dangerous. It's just dangerous in a different way. You still have to be very, very careful how oh, you of use course. your knife. Uh and and so I can tell a little story, just a quick one. I was using a utility knife to cut through something that was very hard to cut, plastic. I was cutting through some plastic and 
the there was only one way to get the knife into the place and do the thing. And so I was cutting with my right hand, but I had to use leverage with my body in order to get enough weight behind it to move the blade through mm-hmm, the plastic. Mm-hmm. And so I was very careful to move my left hand, which has a tendency to be grabbing a hold of something near the area where the blade will go when it releases. So the, you're cutting through and then it will be harder, 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 and then it will let go. And then the blade is going to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I was very careful to move my hand down and away from where the blade would be exiting the material that I was cutting. That's a very good tip. And then it let go. And then the knife ricocheted <laughs> off of uh, a solid concrete surface and down and still cut myself. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> but, but, it it uh it was a better scenario than it had been if my hand were in the place where it ricocheted. Well, that's what I'm saying when I when I say a dull knife is dangerous because when it's dull, you're putting extra force and yeah. extra effort into cutting through whatever it is you're cutting. Yeah. And when you get to the end of it, all that force, you're going to be really pushing hard. Right. And when it breaks loose, that knife's going. Yeah. Just think know? about where your exit's going to be. That's and right. Make sure that your body's not in the way. Yeah, never cut anything towards, towards you. you. Right. Never cut towards you. Unless you're a carver. Wood, carver. <laughs> wood carvers do that. I always watch videos of, be- of guys doing wood carving. And I'm just like, man, how do they do that? Honestly, I think it's because the blades are extremely sharp. Yeah. And they're very confident in how they're well, you know, uh, you can do things that you advise people not to do if it's something that you do a lot and are very good at it and you're in control of your faculties. The problem is when you're doing something you don't do very often, that's when the mistakes are made. That's right. Uh, okay, next one on the list, Tony. How about this? A tape measure. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Tape measure is, you know, and honestly, these are not in order of absolute um essentiality. Right. Is that a word? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. I just made up another word. You do make up a lot of words. Um, because, because this is really, these are all essential hand tool type items. Um, but a tape measure probably would be near the top of the list. Um, 100%. For, for most anybody. And Tony and I's favorite, favorite tape measure. Well, m- mine anyway. Yours is different. Yeah. You decided you didn't like my tape measure the other day. You said, it's not measuring right. Well, what is it? Is it a Lufkin? No, it's a Kamalin. 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 Kamalin? Yeah. Yeah, that tape that we were using the other night, when you pulled it, you know, the little tab on the end that grabs onto the end of the wood. Right. It was flexing. There's a little bit of play in that, uh, in the tip of a measuring tape. Right. There's a little, like, a rivet on there that's loose that well, allows that to, to move a little. It wasn't that no so much. It was, like, flexing and bending the, in. It was the blade that was flexing? Yes. So I was getting dimensions, like I was pulling dimensions to cut something with our track saw for our YouTube channel. And I was marking it, and then I went to the other side, I pulled it, marked it, ran my line and marked it for the saw. And then when I checked it with my square, it was way off. Yeah. Like a quarter of an inch. I'm like, I am not bad at this. What is going on here? <laughs> and I had to switch tape yeah. measures and it was fine. So well, I, I think I there's, just wasn't happy. I think there's something to how long a tape measure has been being used as well. They can get little um, cuts in the blade that cause the blade to flex or give more than it should. Yeah. And if you're doing really detailed work and you want to be right on the nose, um, you know, a tape should be replaced when it starts to show wear yeah. in the and blade. It, it's For me, it's consistency in how it measures. Because I don't care if, if it's a quarter of an inch off. 
as long as it's the quarter of an inch off on every cut that I make. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I shouldn't say that. That was dumb. But how about I like Stanley Fat Max. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. My it's got like an, it's an inch and a quarter wide blade. Yeah, it's a beast. Really substantial. What about a laser measuring tool? A laser. Oh, you know what? I actually just got one for Christmas. I love it because you can throw it. For instance, if you're, you can use them for really high accurate things if you buy a really, really nice one. But what I will use mine for is like, I have friends all the time say, Hey, I'm building a fence. Can you come help me measure it? Come up with a material list. Well, you know, I don't have a 200 foot tape and I don't like to care, you know, go buy, I don't want to go buy one. Sure. And then huff that thing around. So I'll take my laser, put it up in the corner, bam. Hit it to the other end and, you know, 160 foot there, 48 foot there. And it gives you like a really close number for estimating in that sense. Um, recently, I'm I'm going to do redo all of the trim in my house. It's perfect. I yeah. go in every room and just bam, 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 hit all the numbers, write them down by myself. I don't have to have somebody holding the tape. Sure. Or if I'm going over 25 or 30 foot, which is my longest tape that I own. I don't have to make a little mark and then extend and do math. It's just kind of nice. I really like having a laser measuring tool. You know what goes along with a tape measure is, of course, a pencil. We have our favorite now, or at least I have my favorite. Oh, yeah. That Holtafor pencil, which has the ability to have different colors of lead. And it, it there's a refill. And it's like a, it's like a, a heavy duty, like an industrial mechanical pencil type thing that um, has a sharpener right on it and a clip for your pocket. And uh, it is a very, it's a very cool tool. I, uh, I like using that, that marking tool. Yeah, it is. I, I do too. I like it as well. Um, what other thing during, on the marking and measuring? Oh, a square. A speed sure, square? Sure, yeah. That's any a, sort of square? Absolutely. Square, uh, a speed square for me is an essential tool without question. Yeah, that's a fun one. I use that all the time when I'm making just about anything. All right, next one on the list, a hammer. You know, there are unbelievable amounts of different types of hammers. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you they go all the way from a, a finish hammer to a ball peen hammer, a framing hammer, uh, a heavy framing hammer, a light framing hammer, a framing hatchet with a hammer, a sledge hammer, um, you name it. Yeah. How about how about a rotary hammer? What about an MC hammer? Oh, MC <laughs> hammer is very baggy. I noticed that that uh, that's very baggy when you're using it. So dumb. When it dances, it's baggy. Uh, I think um, there are so many different types of hammers, and one hammer does not fill all needs. Usually you definitely are going to have to have a smooth faced hammer and a probably a mill faced hammer. Yeah. The mill face on a hammer is intended to grip the head of the nail when you're driving it. So big nails with big heads and you're driving it with a mill faced hammer and it bites the head of the hammer and you can get a lot of framing type work done more quickly with a big mill faced hammer. Right. But you don't want to be hanging a picture. Right. Or, you know, putting together fine furniture, like if you're putting a little piece of furniture in and you're tapping something in, you don't want to use your milled face hammer. Sure. Or and you don't want to use marks on it. Yeah. And you don't want to use a 20 ounce hammer for that probably either. You right. want maybe like a, you know, a little eight or 10 ounce hammer or something. For if I think about work. all the hammers I have in my garage, 
I'm not kidding. I probably have six or seven different types of hammers. Rubber mallet. Yeah, mallets, wood mallet. Mm -hmm. I have two rubber mallets, a wood mallet. I have a dead blow mallet. Oh, yeah. I have a brass mallet. I have, yeah, sledgehammers of different various sizes. I have framing hammers, small picture frame hammers. Yep. Tons of them. Lots of lots of hammers. Hammers are um, are an essential tool. You for come sure. to my house for sure. It is hammer time. Hammer time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, all right. What else, Tony? Screwdriver. If you're doing it by hand, uh, a screwdriver is going to be something that you'll need. There are so many different kinds of screwdrivers, of course. Phillips head common slot is what I call uh, a, a screwdriver with just a flat blade on the end. And then of course there's a tiny common slot and then a, maybe a medium size and then an extra wide, or you can get a, a common slot screwdriver that's 12 inches long, or you can get one that's two inches long. If you're, if you're using the screwdriver for your glasses, it's going to be a very tiny little screwdriver. I know one thing that I bought a long time ago that I absolutely love is this little kit that comes in a box. It's probably six inches by six inches. And inside of it has all of these little bits that fit into a screwdriver. A screwdriver holder, type device. You yeah. know, holder. Yeah. And then it's got all these little bits that fit inside it. And essentially you have, and it's got all of the small sizes. So, you know, your common slot, torques, security, you know what I mean? If you want to take apart your iPad, you could use this kit <laughs> and I think I paid like 20, 30 bucks for it. And it is probably the best thing I've ever owned since I have kids, especially, mm -hmm. you know, we get them something for Christmas and it's got all these tiny little screws you got to take out and remove to put batteries in or whatever. So I would highly recommend getting that and a screwdriver set that has everything. Like you said, this common slot Phillips Torx. Yeah. Which is, you know, that, Another word for that, kind of that star look uh, bit. Um, there's so many different types. In my opinion, you can't have enough. Yeah, I agree with that. Screwdriver is very important. Multiple sizes are very important. And don't you, cheap out. When it comes to, hold that thought, when it comes to Phillips screwdrivers, you could have a screw that is a number one Phillips drive, a number two Phillips drive, or a number three Phillips drive. Right. And you won't use the same screwdriver for each of those three sizes of screw heads. They even have combination Phillips that are Phillips slash square drive. That's right. That's right. Um, so, yeah. Like you said, don't cheap out when you're buying a set of screwdrivers. Yeah, you buy the cheap ones when you go to unscrew something and it rounds your screw out. Ugh, what a nightmare. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely an essential tool. And of course, these days, oftentimes these days, we find ourselves using a, a cordless screwdriver or a cordless drill or an impact driver to do a lot of the things that we would normally have done with a screwdriver. But there is still always a time when a hand screwdriver is the way to go. Oh, totally. Absolutely. hundred um, percent. All right. Last couple things on our, our list of smaller type things like that are sandpaper. And it's a weird one, but it's always nice. I have a collection. Like I have a case out in my garage that I have many different types of sandpaper, many different grits in both sheets, smaller sheets, um, I have them for my 
orbital sander, you know, a five inch diameter orbital sander, different types and different grits in that. And I tell you what, it's kind of nice just to have because when you have a project and you need sandpaper, invariably you need two or three different grits as you're sanding something down from heavy to light. So I always say just go buy a multi-pack or if you're going to the store and you're thinking you want to buy sandpaper, buy a pack of each. You know, get some 220, get some 320, get some 80 grit. You yeah. just never know what you're going to need and when you're going to need it. Sandpaper is very inexpensive. Yeah, uh, have it around. Having it on hand, what you need, the grit and the type that you need, it's very important. Yep. Uh, and speaking of which, if you don't have an orbital sander, I'd get one. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> for sure. And and if you're buying sandpaper for your orbital sander, it's notable. Some of those adhere with uh, with an, a sticky pad. Some of those adhere with hook and loop. Uh, this is correct. Yeah. Some of them have five holes. Some of them have eight holes. Those are the little vent holes that are in the pad that's that, on your sander that draw the dust out that's right off the surface and then deposit it usually into a bag or sometimes you can hook it up to your shop back which is excellent mm -hmm. uh, but yeah you're right there are many different types so it's probably a good idea to check that out before you go buy it but a lot of the type of a lot of the brands so if you buy a makita makita sells their own sandpaper right and it's going to be exactly what you need for that tool correct so, um, another thing, Tony, a ladder. Yeah, ladder. It kind of bridges the gap between a an essential tool that you would use in your workshop um, and an essential tool that you maybe would store in your workshop. I don't know how often someone needs a ladder in the workshop, a step stool maybe, maybe a two or three or four, four step stool in the shop the latter would probably be used outside of the shop but definitely for a homeowner maybe even a renter um, a ladder is an essential tool there are so many things obviously that you need a ladder for yeah at least a six foot step ladder in my opinion yeah um if you're a homeowner i would recommend getting a step ladder and an extension ladder it's notable that if you're shopping for ladders and you're looking at ladders that look exactly the same you can be looking at three or four ladders that are all the same height. That they range, have, yeah, that range from 60 bucks to 300 bucks. Yeah, they all have the same amount of steps. They're different colors. What's the deal here? Um, some of them could be wood or they could be fiberglass or they could be aluminum. But I'll tell you what, the number one thing you need to look for is the weight rating. Right. The weight rating on a ladder is everything. If you, um, if you are a 250-pound um, weekend warrior, and you buy a ladder what are you trying to say and you buy a ladder that is rated for 150 pounds well that ladder's not for you even though it's only $60 spend the extra money and get one that's rated for your for your size right they do make very high weight rated ladders i am a big guy i i cannot safely climb every ladder that's manufactured out there no i need to find uh, a ladder that's, you know, for a guy that's 6'3 and, you know, 250 pounds. 300. 350 pounds. <laughs> uh, I definitely go for the heavy duty ladder. I well, don't want to, I don't want to compromise my safety when I'm climbing a ladder, especially because when you're on a ladder, you're at your most vulnerable. Sure. And you, well, the one thing you don't want to fail is the ladder. Yeah. 
you don't want to get any criticism up yeah, there. Yeah, I'm either. already <laughs> I'm already going to be doing the dumb stuff. I want the latter to do the smart stuff. So, uh it's notable too, Tony, that the weight rating on a ladder is also including the stuff that you're carrying. You know what I mean? If you're walking up a ladder and throwing something up or you're carrying something heavy up a ladder and you know, you have a 250 pound ladder and you're 250 pounds and you've got 50 or 60 pounds of things that you're carrying up that ladder. Right. You know, you I mean you're stressing it to the max already. So anyway, like Tony said, take a look at the weight rating and buy accordingly. The high the higher, heavier duty ladders, the class A ladders. Orange usually. Or I 1A. Think. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? 1A, class 1A. Anyway, you'll see it when you buy a ladder. Just don't skimp on that, right. in my opinion. Agreed. Buy what you buy the best ladder for you. Right. Agreed. Uh, another thing on our list, Tony, is a saw. Yeah, you know? we're kind of going to move now out of the hand tool type items. There, there are some hand tools uh, farther down on the list that we'll talk to talk about. But, but uh, when you say a saw, there are, like you mentioned so earlier, many different types. so many different things, and a lot of them are essential. Not just a saw, but many saws are essential. Yeah. I mean, honestly, when you say saw, you could mean hand saw. Right. Or you could mean power saw. Right. I actually recommend getting both. I have many types of different hand saws for different applications, small pole saws, Japanese pole saws. I have coping saws. I have... Hacksaw. Hacksaw. You know, and those are just things that you would need to cut different type materials. From metal to wood to a finer cut. A cross cut saw. Yeah, flexible type saw that you can cut things down. Um, Those are just really nice to have different tools for. Now, if you talk about power tools, I mean, you've got a table saw, a miter saw, circular saw, jigsaw, band saw, a scroll saw. I have a scroll saw. See, I don't. I love the scroll saw. Very cool. You know, it would have made the work that we did... On that Weekend Warrior sign that we built, we cut out all those letters, and we did that with a jigsaw. Right. That that the scroll saw that I have would have made that what much easier work. Why didn't you not mention this? And be, well, because we were we were we did we weren't in a place where we had it with us. Yeah, that would. Uh, but that would have made work much easier. A scroll saw is a very cool tool for um, for finish type things. The blades are very small, and um, and the work is delicate, but. Um, but it is a lot of fun. They're fun right. to work with. I would say at the bare minimum, every Weekend Warrior should own a circular saw. No question. Then I would probably go with a table saw. Probably also a miter saw. Right. That would be kind of my top three. Yep. Then a jigsaw would be right behind that. I really want a bandsaw. I don't own one, but I would love one. I just don't have the room for it. You know, one that's not on the list here that you and I both have and have used many, many times, especially in demo Sawzall. A recip saw. That's, that's right. right. Uh, Sawzall, of course, is a brand name. That in is uh, Milwaukee. That is a Milwaukee tool. They, I, I guess they they kind of made that saw popular, right? Um, but a uh, recip saw is made by all different brands of tools. And a recip saw, it definitely does something that other saws don't do. It's very powerful. It has a lot of reach. And, and it makes demo a lot easier. Oh, yeah. 
It has, yeah, you can buy so many different types of blades for it that cut through nails. I think of it as steel, a, wood. I, I think of it as a demolition saw. It yeah, really I would is. Too. Yeah, you're not really going to get a very fine cut. Nope, nope, not fine for sure. And now, the blade has a lot of flex in it, so it's not going to be really true and straight and level right. and plumb and all that. We actually had, in last week's winter storm, we had a tree come down. I took my recip saw with a aggressive blade on it, and I cut the tree branch up with my cordless oh, nice. recip saw. All I don't right. own a chainsaw. Cool. Oh, yeah. So it was a pretty good use of that tool. Uh, what was the other thing I was just thinking Speaking of? Speaking of that, I just had, you just said it. You just said chainsaw. I didn't have a chainsaw. Right. You know, Makita makes a cordless chainsaw, which is as easy to use as any of their other cordless saws. As easy to use as a recip saw. But man, oh man, it's so much more aggressive and makes that kind of a job a lot faster. And it fits right with the Makita platform. Same type battery, everything. I need to get one of those. Those are very cool tools. Very cool. All right, moving along the list in power tools would be a drill. Yep, absolutely. Not just one drill. I mean, so there also are a bunch of different kinds of drills. There's a hammer drill, um, a regular drill driver there's impact a, drill a screwdriver a, a, a sort of cordless screwdriver that looks like a drill but it's um but it has different capabilities um a sh like a drywall screwdriver for example mm -hmm. um impactor like you mentioned lots of different um drills and and that work differently and do different things but even with all of that said more than one drill even more than the one of the same kind of drill the drill, for me, Corey, is the number one tool that you have to keep on hand for people who come to help you work. This is true. If you're having people come on a work day, the one tool that you have to have more than one of, or it's maybe three yeah. or four, is a drill. That is uh, as a very essential. I have, obviously, multiple drills. You have multiple drills. You know, Tony, I used to say for a long time, that you should have a cord, a cordless drill, like a uh, your Makita impact or drill driver or whatever. And then you should also have a corded drill. So if you're drilling through, you know, big holes through a, you know, using through a, like a, with a hole saw, maybe through a piece of wood or something like that, or you're drilling out multiple holes for an electrical wire or something, and you're using spade bits, right. it's just a lot of power that you're you're trying to drill these holes with. Or a three-quarter inch by 24-inch auger bit. Right, you're right. You're running through I mean, a big we made, timber. We made cornhole boards, and we use a big six-inch hole saw, and we're cutting through an inch and a half of plywood, double three-quarter plywood. Right. It's just a lot, right? So if you've got a cordless drill, I used to say have a corded drill on hand, but I tell you what, the new, kind of the new school cordless drills like the makita five amp battery cordless mm. drills mm -hmm. are just as good i mean they have just as much power and can rip a six inch hole hole saw through wood with no problem here's here's a telltale sign if the cordless drill that you're purchasing for a big job that you would normally have a corded drill for sells with a side handle that screws into the side of the drill. Yeah. There's a reason why they included that. It's got some torque. That's because it's got torque and you're going to need to have double grips on that drill before you start, you know, dr working with it. So that's a, that's a telltale sign. And Makita definitely makes some drills that have cordless drills that have a lot of power like that. 
Absolutely. Uh, to go along with drills, you need some drill bits. And there are, man, there are so many different types of drill bits. Number one, twist drill bits. That's going to be your standard run-of-the-mill common type drill bit. You can drill through wood, metal, plastic. I always recommend getting a full set of twist drill bits. I probably honestly have five full sets of drill bits. And there are different types that have different hardnesses that I can cut through wood quickly. I can I have drill bits that I can cut through steel quickly. Uh, and those are just your standard twist drill bits. They also have spade drill bits. If you're trying to drill holes through wood that are larger than, let's say, half inch, you're not going to use a one-inch diameter twist drill bit. Well, you can. Yeah, they, they make, make them. They make those wood owls or, or those or those big auger, auger bits. bits. Yep. But you're going to pay out the nose for them for, to drill a hole. So for most often, you would use an auger bit. They're, they're like a paddle bit. They're wider. You can get them, you know, you can drill it up to probably an inch and a half, maybe even bigger, two-inch paddle yeah, bit. Yeah, spade, spade bit. Spade yeah. bit. Uh, yeah, Irwin, who's who has a really good following with those types of, they call them speed bore bits. We used speed to bore, yep. used to buy speed They've bore bits a lot. They've got a little drill tip tip on them that draws that wood right or that drill bit right through the wood extremely fast. It's not a very clean cut, right? That's another example of making sure that you're using the right tool for the right job. If this is a project that's not a not the finished surface, you're not working on the finished surface. It's going to be covered up. Or, you know, sanded or whatever. Spade bits um, are aggressive. Spade bits are very aggressive. An auger bit, a round auger bit, a wood owl or something like that would give you a cleaner finish. And an even cleaner finish than that would be a Forstner bit. Oh, yeah. Not Forstner, but forced. <laughs> Forstner bit, drill bit. They are flat bottom. They have a drill bit in the center. And it's almost like a very, um, it's like a hole saw almost but they have really sharp carbides and will cut a very clean, precise hole. The thing to note about the difference between a Forstner bit and a hole saw is a hole saw is not going to work for you unless you're going all the way through the material that you're cutting. Correct. You have to go exit all the way out. A Forstner bit can actually cut a half deep hole. You can go down a half an inch or a three quarter of an inch, put a spot face, as you would refer to mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. uh, in the wood, and then it would be solid in the bottom. Um, but a hole saw has got to go all the way through. That's correct. Yeah. And, be, and the difference is, is because the Forstner bit has carbide bits across it, mm -hmm. the whole thing versus a hole saw, which has either carbide or just teeth around the perimeter around the outside. Of the and hole. then you end up with a plug inside of the hole saw that you have to get out. Correct. But a Forstner bit just creates sawdust. Yep. Yep. No absolutely. plug. Yeah. The only other set you might want on hand would be maybe a mils masonry drill bit set. Or even a tile saw drill bit set. Oh, I yeah. actually have those be around my house because I've had to, you know, I've had to install, like, say, a towel rack in my bathroom over tile. You don't want to just use a standard masonry drill bit. You want to use a tile drill bit. Another thing that you didn't mention specifically that will come in very handy all the time is, um, like, countersink bits. A bit that is very short, oh, but yeah. has a little countersink attachment on it so that you're drilling a small hole a, about the size of the diameter of the screw. You're using a little bit smaller. Slightly smaller, yeah. And then it also will countersink for the head of the screw so the head of the screw can sit flush with the surface of the project. So they have those in a, a number six, seven, eight 
10, right. 12. Depending you would, on the size of the screw you're putting Depending on the in. size of the screw, you would want to get a set of countersinks um, or pre-drill bits or whatever they call those. Right. Those are really handy if you're screwing something together that you don't want to split. Right. Because screws in general are very aggressive and they're moving material, wood fiber out of the way, and they're boring that hole down deep and they're pulling that wood fiber down tight. And sometimes in especially harder material, it'll just crack. It gets bound up in there yeah, and there's just crack. Forcing too much into a place where it wasn't supposed to be and it will find relief somewhere. Exactly. Split. So if yeah. you're if you're building something and you don't want it to split or crack, use a pre-drill, pre-drill. with a uh, countersink. But that's a great tip. I mm-hmm. like that one. I actually have a whole set of those. I love them. Me too. I They, they make them now very commonly tapered. Um, really sharp at the pinch at the point and then gets bigger to be the size of the screw that you're working with or just smaller Absolutely. as it goes up. Um, next one on the list would be, you know, chisels, a yep. set of chisels. Mm-hmm. If you're a woodworker, you probably have lots of chisels. Um, I am not necessarily, I wouldn't call myself a woodworker. I like building things. I like building furniture, different things that aren't, uh, fine furniture. I don't want to misrepresent my abilities <laughs> i have a, i have a very nice set of stanley chisels that are super sharp i don't use them very often but when i want to use it works really good um it's nice to be able to reach for a chisel and have it be sharp when you need it yeah if you watch some of these guys that are real real woodworkers their chisels are unbelievably sharp mm-hmm. and they're very expensive and they store them very well and they sharpen them. So it's uh, it's probably not something every weekend warrior would have, but a good set of like Stanley chisels, like you said, is very good to have for different applications. You know, if you're installing a door and you're putting your strike plate on and the strike plate doesn't quite fit in the hole that they notched out for you at the factory, yep. you, know, you grab a chisel and you can clean that hole up, make it a little bit wider and mm-hmm. you would never even know. Right. There's that's the only tool that you can use there. Right. You try to use anything else, it's going to look terrible. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I don't want to go through this whole list of chisels because there's. I don't either. There are so many there that. Uh, I yeah. Put, I wrote them all down. I researched it. I wrote them all down. I'm like, I don't even know what these are. There's a lot. I mean, I might mention a cold chisel, which is something, uh, and it uh, that is commonly used if you're doing that kind of work. Oh yeah, it's not really for wood. Right. Cold chisel would be for concrete. Or steel, you know, right. you, could, you could use it on that sort of thing. And the other thing that came to my mind as I was looking at this list, honestly, is, and I know it's not even a chisel, but it seems to pop into this area, are nail sets. You know, we, we don't have nail sets on the list, but a set of nail sets, if you're doing that kind of work, finish work, and you're using, um, even if you're using a brad nailer, oftentimes you're firing along and your brad nailer is... Um, maybe running out of air or well, you should explain what a nail set is then. Yeah. A nail set is uh which looks like a, um, like a punch. Yeah. Like a punch, like a, like a leather punch. punch or something. Yeah. And it's got a tip down there that the tip matches the head of the nail that you're working with. So they can have some, a fine point, a medium range or a, a thick point and use that to set the nail deeper in below the surface of the wood so that you can use a wood putty to fill over the top. Right. Yeah. And there's not another tool you can use for that, really. Right. Right. Because you've got to get it basically the same size as the nail 
to drive it deeper into the thing so it's not sticking out. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a good idea. I like that tool. I have a bunch myself. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is clamps. How many clamps do you own, Tony? Well, a lot more now than I used to. <laughs> I remember a project that you and I did. We were building a table, uh, I think. And you said, you need to bring all the clamps you have. We're going to have to clamp, clamp, clamp. Right. We needed longer ones, too. Yeah, we needed, needed to be like at least four foot. Four foot pony clamps. We, we used pony clamps. Pony clamp is a brand name, again, um, pony. But um, yeah, and then and then we decided we still didn't have enough after we combined my clamps and your clamps. And all the clamps that I got from my father-in-law, right? which uh, are, I'll tell you what, a clamp, a really well-built clamp, like a pony clamp, those things will last forever. Yeah. It's really, really, really good tool. And uh, and I have um, inherited some from my father-in-law when he passed, and I absolutely love those really good quality clamps. We had to go out and buy more. I know. <laughs> we bought some, some heavy-duty Bessie brand eye clamps. Yeah, that uh, we used actually on a project that we built recently in the in the uh, workshop. Yeah, bar clamps is what you would. Yeah, bar clamps and um, yeah, clamps are a very necessary part of any type of woodwork that you're doing, and you you need to have little ones, C clamps. You need to have probably some squeeze clamps. You need squeeze clamps here and there. I've got a half a dozen squeeze clamps. Yeah, and in different various sizes too. You know, you just can't have enough. You can have the short ones from. You know, 12 inches all the way up to, you know, I've got some 48 inch five, you know, I think the ones that you bought were actually five foot long. Yeah. And you you can use them for anything with that size or, or shorter. The nice part about pipe clamps, did you mention pipe clamp? Yeah. Pony makes pipe clamps that you just buy. Like galvanized pipe. Galvanized pipe, three quarter inch galvanized pipe at whatever length you want. You could go buy them 12 foot long if you wanted to. Yeah. And then they just thread onto one end and then the other end slides back and forth and allows you to clamp really long things. Yeah. So that's the nice versatility for a pipe clamp. Um, but yeah, you also have like little hand spring clamps. I use those all the time for holding up anything or, or just temporarily holding something to something. I like having all of those. So yeah, you just can't I, have too many clamps. Yeah. We've got some, uh, some what we call quick clamps, which is a kind of like a squeeze. You just squeeze the the handle and it advances, um, which is also a, a good way to tighten something down as opposed to cranking it around. Um, and I'll tell you what, there's one clamp that I need that I don't have. What's that? A clamp that clamps at a 45 degree or at a 90 degree yeah, at a 90 degree. Oh, for making like a box? If you well, if you were making a picture frame, for example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're putting two legs of a picture frame together and you can you can glue that thing together and clamp it and then fasten it together and let it, it holds it while it's gluing. That's um that's a tool that I have had need for and haven't had. That's a good tool. Those oh, are cool. You could Uncle Jed clamp it. Yeah, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Full of them today. Uh, all right, we're. Uh, I think we want to try to wrap this up here. There's only tool tools left on our list. One of them is a planer. I own a planer. It's probably not, and I wouldn't call it necessarily an essential tool for every weekend warrior, but it's really nice to have if you're trying to take material off something. Like if you're trying to thin something down, if you take a two by four and you run it through your planer, you can thin it down to whatever thickness you 
need it to be. Are or you if you're just trying to clean it up. You talking about a hand planer or are you talking about like a like a power a planer? Bench top planer. Yeah, bench top power planer. There are hand planers, you know, actual hand tool hand planers that you would set the height and run that thing through. Those are great to have. I would say that's a little more advanced for maybe a woodworker. Makita makes a cordless portable Power planer, planer that's not a bench planer. Right. You, you're small and you hold it in your hand. It's got a knob on top and, and you run that along. But I'll tell you what, if you're going to be taking a consistent amount of material off from one side to the other and you're using a portable planer like that, um, you have to be very consistent in how you use it. It seems to me that it would be very easy to get too much material in one place or to push too hard or have it slide one direction or the other. Um, I have not mastered the use of that yeah. portable planer tool yet. I'd say that it's it's a little more advanced. I think it is. A little it's, bit of a more advanced It's advanced tool. beyond my capability today. <laughs> well, and you wouldn't need it. You but, don't really need it. But we'll figure out how to how to make it make us better at some point going forward. For sure. Um, something else that's not on our list, that before we go to the last item and mention it, I want to say this. It's an essential tool for you, and I know that because I've had to borrow yours, and as a matter of fact, I have it today, which is a belt sander. Oh, yeah. Obviously, a palm sander is essential. We covered that, but sometimes the sanding job that you have to do is bigger than what you could do with a palm sander effectively. We've had to sand some big projects uh, like a table, a couple of tables, and uh, a belt sander with the right grit sandpaper on it can do exactly the job you need to do, but in very short order. Right, yeah. Taking We're making a tabletop right now and a video, and having to use a palm sander or a rotary palm sander and get that thing consistently flat across the whole thing would take a very long time. Right. You hit it with the, the belt, uh, sander. belt sander, the, the, like the one that I lent you, and then we're going to use. You put a, a 60 grit or an 80 grit belt on that thing, and that thing will be flat in 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work. That that uh, tool, a lot of dust. That tool definitely takes it out of you after a, an hour or two hours of sanding with three or four different grits of paper you know you've done something, <laughs> especially if you're leaning over the project to get it done. I remember when I was a kid, I was helping my dad sand floors, hardwood floors. Oh, man, that's a big job. Yeah. And it was in a smaller room, so he didn't rent anything. He just had his belt sander. And I remember walking over and plugging that thing in, and we had left the power switch on. And that thing took off. Oh, man. Shoom, across, across the, the room. <laughs> yep. Until it hit the end of the extension cord and pulled the plug. Oh. And I, I was like, thank goodness. <laughs> wow. Scared the crap out of me. Yeah, yikes. Anyway, the last one on our list as an essential tool is a router. Yeah. A hand router. Fixed base router. You've got plunge routers, trim routers, combination routers, even a CNC router. Wow. I actually want a CNC router. Me too. I think it would be super, super cool. And I don't know what I would use it for quite yet, but I want one. You buy it, I'll borrow yours. <laughs> what mean, if you bought it I for think a change? They, I think they're expensive. Well, you could get... Uh, I've Actually, me and a buddy of mine were looking at going in on a big router like that mm -hmm. uh, to make you know signage. Sure, for sure. 
you know, he really wanted to get into it. And I told him I would maybe want to try and look into it. Man, you can get there. Honestly, you can get them for 10, 15, $20,000 for like a bigger wow. industrial type CNC router. Wow. Unbelievable. Wow. That's you can a lot. get them for less, of course. Sure. You, know, you can buy a $500 CNC but router. But you don't know how to do anything halfway. You're, if you're in, you're all in. Well, I don't like buying junk. <laughs> I know it's true, but uh, but routers are a very good way to put a very, very. And I'm going to say very one more time. Very nice finishing touch on your project. That's three varies, everyone. Rounding over the edges and uh, cleaning up any holes that are in your project and just making them uh, making them look like they're intended to be there and. And not an accident. Right. So I really love what a router can do. Let's get one more very. Very nice <laughs> to have a router on hand. Awesome. Well, I'm sure there's a million more things, uh, but if you check out our podcast or our YouTube channel, you know we'll, we'll be doing the show again, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, thanks for checking us out. If you haven't already, go, uh, go look at our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com forward slash Show want to catch any of our other shows make sure you hit that subscribe button and uh turn on notifications so every time we drop a new show a new podcast you can go download absolutely thank you so much for tuning in to the weekend warriors home improvement podcast see you next week